We're live! It's time for Let's Humanize the Workplace. I know I haven't been doing a, a live session for a while, with a good reason, as you can see. Um, but for those of you who are just following me, my name is Vivian Aqua, the Workplace Wellness Advocate, and the woman who is crazy uh, adventurous enough to start a ripple effect online that's called Amplify DEI. And I'm so excited to be doing this together with my fellow advocates. 67 people are joining me in this, in this epic, epic, epic summer, summit ever. And the name itself, Amplify Diversity, Equity and Inclusion. And it's all inspired by my son. So, um, I'm trying not to get too emotional here, but this little boy, and he's two in this image, he's now seven, he recently turned seven, but this little boy, he inspired me to do better, to ask my fellow advocates to do better and to amplify this, this epic wave because we need to do better. I don't want my son to be asking me questions about you know why why uh why we why are we having race differences or why he needs to worry about my safety because of the color of my skin and i want to do better so i am grateful i am extremely grateful i'm trying to hold my posture but i'm extremely grateful for it. the fellow speakers that are speaking up about such an important topic and i'm going to also share a highlight of uh, what this event is for so amplify dei is for corporate leaders internet in, <laughs> internal communications professional hr professional but also employees who want to make a positive change happen this summit offers the opportunity to learn how a strong DEI mission is one of the most important pillars for business success and employee success. So it's not too late to join. You can still join. Know that you, you can now take advantage of the early bird price because once the summit is starting, the prices will go up. And once the summit is ending, the prices will go up. And I've been having questions about the price and I uh, just wanted to let you know that this summit contains more than 50,000 euros in training and I'm giving it away for 47 euros or for 97 euros if you want the access today, right? So it's made possible with all these amazing speakers and the speakers who are watching, the speakers who are watching later, I am forever grateful. This is a heart emoji. I am forever grateful. They know that I um, I also share that in a personal a personal video today. Without them, I could be nothing. So as a leader or as an event organizer, I have to put my speakers on a plateau because I could not have done this without them. So thank you from the heart. Thank you because you are all amazing. So going to tonight's episode because um, I had a few challenges. I had some computer challenges. My computer has been uh, working overtime because of the summit, but I also made a commitment towards Tony and I asked her a few months ago saying that, you know, what are we going to talk about? She said, why not talk about personalization in a workplace? So she's going to, she invited Peppy and she invited uh, Justin Felter. And it's going to be amazing. It's definitely going to be amazing. So give me a moment so that I speak up, so that I share their bio. Um, Tony, let me bring them up. 
Let me highlight them as well and read their bio as well. So give me a moment. So Tony McLeland is a business mentor, a management consultant who develops and empowers leaders with the right skills and knowledge for business. This in turn leads to a profitable and compliant business. And know that Tony is one of the presenters, one of the amazing speakers of Amplify DEI and her talk, people, her talk is very spicy very spicy secondly she brought in peppy uh, sapal peppy is a founder and director of fairplaytalks.com watch this please people a recently launched global dni well-being online platform covering all diversity spectrums from across all uh, industries as well and Dr. Justin Felton is the co-founder and CEO of Go Culture International, a leading SaaS for personal and organization development in diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I think you can guess where we are heading. It's all about DEI, people. It's all about DEI. And I'm going to start with you. Tony, because you are the fire starter of this whole conversation tonight. No, no, no worries, no worries. What, what, why, why, what is your connection with humanizing the workplace? Why is that important? Well, I think that because I go into a variety of different organizations when they have crisis, so it's normally when the fire has started. So this whole thing is really about Let's just be a bit more preventive. Let's just start the work before the fire starts. That's when I get the call when it's too late, you know, and it's damage limitation. But actually, you know, there's so many champions of DEI. Just think about how they can help you in your organizations. And when I go in and I check these organizations out, a lot of it Vivian, leads back to culture, organizational culture, you know, humanization of the workplace we are more than Vivian from hr or jonathan from accounts or peppy from communications we are more than that we are mothers fathers husbands daughters aunties uncles and we have lives outside of the organization and really it is the leader's responsibility and i'm so passionate about that and thank you so much for inviting me here today you know what i wanted to do right you are awesome. You are Thank awesome. You. I call I call Tony my my auntie. She doesn't know it, but she brings me back the auntie auntie Viv vibe. So <laughs> Thank you Tony. And going to Peppy. Peppy, can you share something about your connection with humanizing the workplace? Yes, thank you. Um, well, thank you for inviting me, Vivian. And I'm, you know, honored to be sharing the platform with Tony and and Justin. And um as uh, uh, Tony's pointed out, um, you know, we, we're, we're more than just employees in the workplace. So through the platform, which I run, um, called Fair Play Talks, um, and even, you know, in all my other previous roles uh, in terms of writing, I've been helping to humanise the workplace by trying to help business leaders, you know, be they managers, EDI, DNI, CPOs or CDOs, you know, <laughs> what we're trying to do is we, we, we're trying to help them level the playing field and, and promote belonging, um, diversity, inclusion and fair play. Because at the end of the day, um, 
Vivian, um, I think all of us here today believe that fair play um, and inclusion and belonging is at the heart of a humanized workplace. Amen to that. And Justin, what do you have to say? <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Vivian. It's great to be here with everybody and it's a great opportunity to share and to learn more than anything. So there's there's so many ways that we quantify so much about the workplace from productivity to machinery and you know all these things we calculate to make sure our productivity is is at, at its peak. But sometimes, so, so years ago, back in the States, there was this commercial about toothbrushes and maybe you all saw this in Europe, but there, uh, they were for the, the toothbrush for the hard to reach places. And that's kind of how some of the soft skills, how we've seen soft skills in the past, especially around diversity, equity, inclusion. Is there even a way that we could assess, evaluate so that we can tool our systems in a way to get the maximum productivity out of diversity, equity, inclusion. So that's that's um, an area of interest for me of how do we evaluate individuals, entire organizations so that we can understand how to maximize our talent, our talent development uh, through diversity, equity, inclusion. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And going back to Pepe, let's start with you. What are the essential ingredients for um, sorry, that's the wrong question. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I had this plant, humanize the workplace. Yes. What is your role? What, what role can personalization in the workplace play in today's society while working from home? Because when Tony shared this question with me and I was just like, okay, but everybody's working from home right now so how, how what 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 kind of personalization can we do whilst we're working from home what's your answer to uh, Pepe? well I, I think personalization is key for for home workers and um you know knowing how to communicate with your remote staff know, your home workers knowing when to communicate with them and just um you know, doing your extra homework as a manager or DEI or HR, as a manager, finding out a little bit more about them. You know, do are they working parents? You know, are they um, having to homeschool at the same time as mm -hmm. you know carry out their work duties? Um, you know, as a manager, can you help, um, or, or, or you know, can you can you ensure that you understand? Um, how their workloads might be impacted by that. So I think if you can personalize um, your your message or, you know, um, in terms of the way that you communicate, how you communicate, when you communicate, um, that, that shows them that, you know, um, we, we know that you're working from home and we're aware um, that all these other things are, are you know going on even if there's not that much that you can do about it but just showing that you've done that little bit of extra research and you know their circumstances um, and showing a little bit of understanding i think that goes a long way to uh winning um loyalty from your staff um and productivity as well because i think it's the little things like that in personalization which which go a long way 
to getting the best out of your staff. Thank you. And also, Elizabeth, thank you for joining this session. Elizabeth, it's such an amazing lady. And also, I wanted to say, I don't know who this is, but thank you for sharing that as well. Um, Justin, what do you have to say regarding the question? Sure. I want to echo what Pepe was saying, you know, when it comes to this work from home, um, some may call it homework, um, that that phrase gives me chills because it reminds me of being in school, but the homework or work from home. So whenever uh, we're doing this, uh, there's this work-life balance that, that we kind of had figured out, right, when we would go to an office for a certain set of time, come home. And that, and we could kind of change, you know, switch hats and be a different person in a way in different settings. Right now, that, that's that's really fuzzy. And so we, we have to do the things Pepe was saying, and I'll just add to what she was saying, which is really good, is I think we have to help not only honor, but we have to help others honor their time um, balancing. Because it's so easy right now to, to mix together work and family at home mm -hmm. time. Uh, I, I just need to check this message. I need to do this email. I need to do these things. You end up working uh, before your kids get up until you're until late in the evening. And at no time were you a really great employee. At no time were you a really great family member. <laughs> you were kind of mediocrity on, on both of those. And then that's hard. And so I think as in leadership, we have to recognize that and, and not only respect that, but encourage those we lead to, to really watch that those boundaries as well there's a great author bob goff a uh, great author if you're reading his stuff you just feel good about being a human he, he says you know it, he encourages people when you go home from work that if you are going to if you're going to uh answer an email or, or send a text or just you know, go back go back to your room put your business clothes back on answer that email and then get back in your you know hangout clothes at home because that's more or less what you're doing is you're going back to work and we think it's just a moment, but our kids or families notice. I think it's, it's, a, it's important balance to separate separate those two. And so I, I definitely agree with what Pepe was saying. Yes, and I also wanted to add in that, you know, from the beginning of this lockdown, this international global lockdown, the World Economic Forum already alarmed us that there is a second pandemic coming and that's the amount of burnout and stress is going to be worse than the effect of this whole uh, pandemic lockdown. So please be very mindful of the mental health from your people because otherwise you don't have any people left or you're just burning, you're just, um, how do you say, you're just putting out fires upon fires upon fires and eventually you cannot, you, you cannot put out the fires anymore. And I'm, I'm sorry that I'm referencing California right now who is going through a tough time, but that, that is how I see it at the moment. I'm seeing so many comments in. So I'm going over to Tony. Mm -hmm. So um, as well as agreeing with my colleagues, Justin and Pepe, I'm just gonna say that uh, the workplace is mm. any place that you work. So whether it's in your physical, organization building or the little space that you've allocated in the corner of your living room or dining room it is your workplace space you know for now so so that's kind of how I'm going to look at it and in the same way that if we were in an organizational office 
as a leader, we will be asking, what do you need for you to be able to do your job? We still need to ask that same question, even if it is the little table in the corner of your dining room. So just from that perspective, you know, the workplace is any space and we need to be, as, as leaders, we need to be responsible to ensure that our, our staff are able to work as effectively and efficiently and still ask those questions. And sometimes asking those questions, you get nervous because you think, oh my gosh, what are they gonna ask for? They're gonna ask for all of these things. But ask, because sometimes they need very little. And the other perspective that I'm gonna bring as well is the fact that when we have, you know, in terms of personalization in the workplace as well, when we are working in an organization, sometimes it's very large and it has different floors and different people in HR and accounts and all these different departments. We don't see some of those people in those different departments. We could be working there years, but I might never have met Sue from HR or Jane from accounts. I might never have met them before. However, all of a sudden now, working from home, we're in meetings together and I can see Jane or Justin or Pepe or whoever it is, eye to eye for the first time. And, you know, so when we talk about humanizing the workplace, it doesn't have to be that physical building as mm. such. It can just be, we are humanizing that, that space that we're working in and how we connect with each other because we're connecting in a very different way now. And it's almost a more human way, a more personalized way. So. When used efficiently, though, because I have seen, I mean, from the beginning of this lockdown, I've seen people getting fired. I've seen people being scrapped from the organization hierarchy list where they realized that they were in a meeting and noticed that through a document that their department isn't there anymore. So nobody told that person that they were fired and that all the staff members were fired. So... Again, people, we need to treat human people like human and also treat each other like human. When you're working at the office or working remotely, you, we need to be respectful of our boundaries and each other's lives as well. So I wanted to add in that as well. And I'm seeing so many comments, so I'm addressing some of the comments as well. So Elizabeth Gauthier, she's sharing, balance employees have better productivity, support better company profits, and Michelle Hart, who's also one of the speakers as well, and Swen Launch is also one of the speakers. Uh, mental health, yes. And Sean Montgomery, I know Sean from Tony. Personalization should first and foremost be about people, yes. And a Facebook user, so true. Ooh, I love this. <laughs> it's already getting me fired up. So Justin, let's, let's go to the next question. What are the, your top three must have ingredients for personalization in the workplace to be a success? What, what is needed? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so top, you know, top three, it's difficult probably to, to, to categorize, you know, a, a top three in, in, a, in a proper order, but, but three important ones, I'd say, you know, for, for me, I'm a, I'm a data nerd. And, mm -hmm. and Tony, and I spoke about this um, earlier today, even, you know, we, we're both data nerds and, and Pepe, I'm not sure. Maybe you are as well, but but or don't maybe maybe you don't want to admit it. Uh, but but we, I honestly think in order to, and this is going to sound funny, but in order to do a better job at personalizing what we do, we have to 
have strong data about the process. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that's a first step. We need to be able to have data because that data, if it's done well, can help us understand where we have gaps and where we need improvement, where we're doing really, really well. And I think a second thing we have to have, a second ingredient that's really important is the ability to make sure that, that we include everybody in this conversation. And so I think one thing that, that, that we see a lot of, one, one challenge we see a lot is, you know, we, we offer diversity inclusion training uh, for uh, maybe a C-suite or a, a board members or upper level leadership in some form. And that's great. I mean, there's great value in that. It's incredible value in that. Can, because from those leaders trickles down the corporate culture often, oftentimes. Mm -hmm. But you think about sexual harassment training. Uh, we don't do sexual harassment training just for the 10 individuals in the C-suite and the board members because every single person needs to have that kind of training so that those things don't happen at whatever level, whatever place within the organization. So we've got to find ways to be able to impact diversity, equity, inclusion, attitudes and behaviors throughout the entire organization, no matter anybody's role, anybody's position, whatever the case may be. So I think, you know, getting strong data, including everybody. And then a third, which is, which is really um, kind of a piggyback on the second, is making sure that everybody has a voice in that process. And so, uh, you know, I was a university professor for 14 years, and I know it's so easy to, uh, to have discussions or even uh, talks and, and to think everybody is getting what I'm saying. Everybody's on board. Everybody likes everybody what I'm saying. Everybody learns in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but learning in a different way. Yeah. Absolutely. But, I, but it was so engaged. It's so interesting at times when I would notice a student who seemed engaged, but wasn't really understanding. I, mean, I might get that student involved more actively and to see that person kind of come alive and be more engaged, more interested in, in their learning to increase. So I think, I think strong data uh, training across the entire enterprise and then third, making sure that those whose voice have not been heard possibly in the past, maybe for not even bad reasons, this hasn't been heard we get them involved and get them to participate as well. It's really important. Thank you for sharing. Tony, I know you got, you have some hot sauce in your bag, right? Well, <laughs> I was just listening to, to Justin and I was thinking, wow, okay. So just on the back of what Justin has said, I'm going to take a slightly different approach. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just going to go with, rather than, than kind of activities, I'm going to kind of nail it down to the three things that, that leaders need to do are make a commitment, first of all. You need to mm. make a commitment to wanting inclusion and diversity in your workplace. It doesn't matter if you've got the greatest training, the greatest service, the greatest things around you. If you don't have that commitment to follow through, it's not going to happen. What kind of commitment do you wish to see instead of just posting on social media and saying you're supporting diversity or you're just giving action. money away? Action. Yeah. Action. <laughs> That's just what no. action. Yeah. You know, so people can say things, they can post away on Twitter and LinkedIn, they can do all of those things, but actually it's about action. That's, you know, um, so making that commitment and really, really wanting to, not just for talking's sake. The other thing that I would say is that identify who is accountable. 
because mm. when I'm going into organizations, I'm finding that the action is where accountability lies. If there's no accountability or no one's accountable or responsible, there's no action and it just gets passed around. Oh, it's Vivian, it's, it's for Justin to do more Pepe. So I'm just kind of coming from that perspective because if you don't have those as fundamentals, it's not really gonna happen, you know? And um, because I'm kind of coming as well from a perspective of, of culture, you know, one of the things I find as well is that when I go into organizations, the things that I find is the weakest recurring throughout is about investing in staff. Yeah. You know, the, you know supervision is sketchy, one-to-one -one is sketchy, team meetings are just kind of wishy-washy. Excuse my expressions, but that is exactly- It's very right. clear. It's very clear. There's no schedule. There's no investment mm -hmm. in staff. There's no training materials, no training resources. And so the staff are just there and they're working on old computers, old systems, old software, old processes with old mindsets. <laughs> <laughs> that are very stagnant in their ways and they don't want to change and so for me those things are fundamental with the leaders and until we we get to that bit we can't really get to the the actual activity of um you know following through on any I of do, them I think so a, a question do you believe that dei should be only placed at the officer or the DEI officer or DNI officer, or how do you say it only at the HR? Because there seems to be a misunderstanding that only these people are responsible for DEI. No, I mean, I, you don't want to be asking me a question like that, Vivian, because I know, I know, because I'm, I'm I know I'm opening Pandora's box. You ready? I'm, happy. I'm ready. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll keep it, I'll keep it, but, but really I have seen where, you know, people that are, you know, the diversity lead, oh, we're not doing mm -hmm. diversity today, we'll wait until Vivian comes back in tomorrow, you know, it's not right, because if when people are coming into an organisation, it is clear that it is everybody's responsibility and everybody is accountable, then that's very different to Vivian's the uh, the diversity lead, and so mm -hmm. everything is on Vivian um, to to do. And if Vivian goes on holiday for a week, we don't do that for a week. So, so for me, it's more important to have that that process embedded. Um, and it reminds me of when we used to do interview questions. There used to be this question, this blanket question at the bottom that says, you know, what are your you you know equal opportunities. It was always there and then suddenly it just kind of just got dropped off they don't ask that anymore you know everyone's just kind of doing their own thing but it used to be a standard um equal opportunities thing and um at the bottom of job descriptions as well now it's all anything for everything yeah so we need to bring that back there are so many people commenting, so I just want to highlight. So Sean is saying he's, I think he's sharing his ingredients, policy training and transparency. I like that. Jabez, who's also one of the speakers. So uh, let me have a moment, please. So Tony, let's amplify this. Just ask. Organizations need to be bold to ask their workforce. How do you feel? And not to be scared of the answer, asking not because you solve all problems, but because every human needs listening ears absolutely 
And also, um, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing your name right, Anya. And if not, please let me know in a voice message so that next time I will do my best to pronounce it. Um, she's sharing, I reckon sexual harassment training will be the last thing to add to the bill as individuals in the top continuously take advantages of their positions. How can we tackle that? Justin, you brought it up. <laughs> there we go. I was, I was yeah. muted, which is good because I had, I had my laugh out loud moment yeah. there. Yeah. Let me, let me tackle sexual harassment mm -hmm. um, in, in the next 30 seconds. So no, I, I think, uh, again, I, I'm not sure exactly what, what, you know, question there is there. It's just that, you know, sexual harassment, uh, you know, Tony and I were talking this morning, you know, a year ago, um, the Me Too movement was was really big, right, yeah. in the media. And and that was, you boil it down, that's sexual harassment mm -hmm. stuff. And so uh, that, that doesn't mean that prior to that, doesn't mean that three years ago, sexual harassment was not important or important enough, uh, but all of a sudden it was. And now media has moved past that and that's less important. And now, uh, now you know, racial injustice uh, is important because the media is following that now. And so it's not that these do, things are always. I do have to share something because you you mentioned media a couple of times. It's media directing how the way we should take care of people. Uh, is it directing or should it be directing? I mean, I, I think, I think that maybe two different things, uh, media does heavily influence mm -hmm. what we put a priority on at any given moment. You know, there's yeah, the true. famous, uh, saying that, you know, media doesn't tell us what to think. They tell us what to think about. Yeah. And I think over the past 10, 10 years, they're starting to tell us even what to think, but they really, you know, they they drive that the media cycle drives a priority for us at the time. Everybody on this program, I'm sure every single person listening would would agree that sexual harassment has always has been an important subject for a long time. Uh, racial equality or racial injustice has been an important topic for a long time. But it is only because, or mostly in part because of recent events that that give even platforms like this, a greater audience because people are more and more invested in seeing a change right now than they would have been 10 months ago. Yeah, I agree. I also have some other comments that I want to direct and then I'm going to be going to you, Pepe, I promise. So Elizabeth is sharing uh, workforce culture should be influenced from all levels, different levels of employees may see and experience different things. Thank you, lady, for adding that. Uh, Vendium Global, uh, brilliant thoughts, Tony. Action is absolutely needed to make our lessons become real. Love it. Uh, Jabez is saying the culture factor again. Jabez is talking about his presentation, so he's one of the speakers as well. And Sandra Harrison is sharing. I agree with you, Tony. The mindset needs to change. Accountability and commitment is important. Did Did you bring your whole gang, Tony? <laughs> So Kippy, can you can you answer? <laughs> can you can you answer the question about the top three ingredients that is needed? Yes, yes. So I, I uh, completely agree with um, Tony and and Justin. And it was interesting mm -hmm. that Justin brought up the point about data, and you know that's one of my top three. So it's it's vital that that um, organisations, you know, that they do their research. 
to find out um, to ensure that whatever they're offering, whether it's you know mental health support, whether it's um, working on a project, whether it's benefits, you, you need to do your research um, to, to, to ensure that whatever you're offering is right for that group or that person that you're working with or, or for your team. Um, and you need to make sure that you then ensure that that service, that support, that program it is right for them. And, and without the data, um, you can't do that. So you, you must do your research. It's, it's key to personalization. And the, the other key point is listening to your staff, you know, giving your staff a voice, um, getting them, you know, to give you regular feedback because you can use that feedback to find out whether you're on the right track or whether you need to, you know, fine tune your program, your message or your, or, or your support. Um, and my last um, top ingredient, although there's many, is authenticity and transparency. Um, you know, it's, it's vital if you're a leader or a manager, um, you know, that you're really authentic about about what you're doing about what you're saying and what you're offering um, because um you know employees can can you know they know whether you're you know being authentic and whether you really mean um what you're doing whether you're whether you actually care about your staff or not so and i think that's key that that authenticity has to come through thank you for sharing i do have to share something about point number two because you said uh, listen to the voices of the people that have something to say, but most of the time the environment isn't safe to be able to share yes. with something without any repercussions. Yes, yes. So it's about creating a safe environment. And again, you know, it, it's about providing the systems, providing the safe, safe environment. Um, and I, I think, um, you know, whether, whether, People are, are, are allowed to give you feedback right now because people are working from home or the office. Maybe people are a bit more hesitant to, mm -hmm. to give feedback. But I think the uh, staff surveys and, you know, um, the one-to-one -one conversations shouldn't stop. It's vital to, to, to get that feedback and providing mm -hmm. a safe space. But, but, yeah. but yes, completely. I think people are hesitant to... To, to provide any feedback if if that safe space isn't there. Yeah, thank you. And going to question number four. Okay, we talked about diversity and inclusion, but how can personalization in the workplace amplify diversity, equity, and inclusion? And I'll start with Tony. Oh, she. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't quite ready for this question. I wasn't quite ready because uh, I got in on a different thing, and yeah. I was starting to think about whistleblowing. Definitely, so can definitely. I throw that in yeah. for good measure while I'm on that whistleblowing theme. Um, yeah. You know, we talk about whistleblowing, and I think it will cover that question that somebody asked earlier about you know yeah. um, sexual discrimination and all harassment and stuff like that. And I think that all of those policies and all of those grievances. Yeah should come under the whistleblowing whatever happens if you don't feel comfortable whether it's feedback or whatever it is you see some wrongdoing you should feel comfortable 
enough, or, or should I say the leaders should make you feel comfortable enough and trusting as well to be able to come with your concern, knowing that you are not going to be vilified mm -hmm. for it yeah. and, you know, persecuted. And you know that as soon as you say it, you're going to be out the door because within two or three months. With right? I don't like yeah. the name because the name in itself here in the Netherlands, we have a similar name. Every time that somebody is announced a, like a whistleblower, you know, from now to one month to at least within the year, they will be disappearing. They will. They will. We, we, we know that. And I think that that's just a tick box in some ways because it's mm -hmm. a policy and it's there. But really, do people, the people that are kind of using it, know that, that I'm going anyway? And I think they've kind of made up their mind. Um, so, uh, so sorry, I just wanted to throw that in. No, no, no. Can you? Can we stop saying sorry? You're adding value. That's it. <laughs> so you want me to answer this question now? Yes, please. <laughs> How can personalization in the work amplify diversity, equity, and inclusion? Well. I think we just need to kind of still be thinking about inclusive practices mm -hmm. and in terms of those inclusive practices, for example, I was thinking the other day, there are some things that you could just go away and do very easily tomorrow. They don't need, they don't need lots of planning. You can have somebody on your board. You know, I said to somebody the other day that because we're not in a physical building, it doesn't mean that we can't do an open door. I done an open door the other other day. I made myself available for an hour on Zoom. I gave everybody the Zoom link. I went into the Zoom room, left it open while I carried on with some work and you either pop in or you don't, you know? And that was, that popping in was like my, my office door being open. So because we're not in a physical same space, it doesn't mean that we can't do the things that we need to do, you know? And um, so, for, in terms of that personalization, I, I think as well that there are some concerns around if somebody discloses that they've got a special educational need, that's something that's really, you know, close to my heart. Um, organizations panic because they don't actually know how to deal with it. And so they don't ask the question and it, they, they go in this unsafe space. And so what they need to do is ask the question, and if they don't know how to deal with the answer, go and find somebody that is an expert that can help you with the answer. Because this EDI agenda, it seems as if it's just flavor of the month right now, but actually <laughs> it's been around for a whole yeah. long time. Yeah. So, you know, let's just get used to it. We should be doing this anyway. And this is a great time to amplify it. So. There's some things that we can do without um, any great shakes. So uh, it underpins everything. I agree everything. with you. I agree with you. DEI should be part of the DNA of the company anyway. And I'm happy that we are, you know, that th this lockdown uncovered what, uh, uncovered the, the wound that we carry or that we all have internationally. And now is the right time. I mean, my son is seven. I don't want us to be dealing with the same BS that we're dealing right now when he becomes an adult. That's it. That's, that's for me, that's my main drive. So um, I, I'll, I'll cool down a bit. I'll cool down. <laughs> Peppy, what do you have to say? Um, I think personalization can amplify D, uh, E and I um, because I think personalization for me is about um, 
showing staff that you can that you care enough to go that extra mile um, to find out about them to ensure that their needs are being met. Um, I think it's the little things like that which go a long way to make employees feel that that they're included and that they feel they belong. Um, you know whether it's um, providing uh, an employee um, a chair. You know that that that's um, ergonomic, or if it's about um, providing a bit more flexibility with their hours, even though they're working from home. I think those. I think it's the little things that will engender loyalty and more inclusion and belonging um, at the end of the day. And also, I mean, a lot of offices are now not occupied. Why not let the employee use some of the utilities that are? Yes. Being used anymore so if they need a computer yes let them borrow the computer or let them borrow the desk or let them borrow some of the things that they need to make their, their workspace absolutely as comfortable as possible because again they need to to bring out their best self and why not provide the tools or the tips or provide budget because you're saving money anyway with yes. the empty office day so provide a budget so that they can make up their room you know, as cool as my room or yeah. as cool as Tony's room or as cool as the room can be when while they are working from home. I just wanted to add mm -hmm. that in. And just yeah. so one of the things that, that we've seen, and I think some one of y'all mentioned this earlier, is that in order to, to personalize and see a, an impact and change is we want to learn from from best practices in education. And so one of the things that, that I've learned over the years is that communication or education through online platforms, of course, we all know, we all know now it has pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. But online education allows us an opportunity to engage every single person. And so what I mean by that, people would say sometimes, hey, what do you think about uh, online ed? And, I, and you know, what my feedback on that, I think one of the, one of the benefits of online education is where in a classroom, you can eat, you can not show up, or you can literally show up and not really be there, you know, your mind somewhere else, you're on Facebook, whatever. But on an online learning platform, you're actually forced in a way to engage because we're going to say as a teacher, okay, by this deadline, I want you to make a comment here and I want you to comment on everybody else's this and that. So you're, you're in order to do well, they have to actually speak up and play a role. And so I think that we're trying to learn at Go Culture. We're trying to really learn from from those that modeling. It's okay. Is there a way then that we can, once we understand where everybody's aptitudes are in diversity, equity, inclusion, then we can train each of these people uh, through through online learning, right? Through like, well, what is what is your growth area that we see the biggest one right now? We're going to train you in this right now, and we're going to ask you to engage with this. And so. We're trying to use the best practices that we've, we've seen, that we've learned over the years and implement this in a way that feels personal and it is personalized, though it is in a before remote, remote workforce. I totally agree when it comes to online learning and I'm, I'm not biased, but I am. I do have to plug in my own summit. Amplify DEI is providing so much content, so much uh, lessons that you can learn. It's a Netflix, so you can watch whenever you want, wherever you want. 
And it's for the beginners. It's for the, the, those who are intermediate or those who are medium sized. And it's for the people that already has done a lot of things. It's actionable. So I invited and I challenged all the speakers not to talk about just DEI, but, but to provide actions which, they, which people can implement within the company. And that's it. Over 50,000 euros training providing for a small donation for a small price. So invest, invest people, invest. That's what I have to say. And I wanted to do, I wanted to um, give the spotlight on Gary, Gary Turner, who has been an amazing man. He knows that, but I have to highlight him as well. Um, he is sharing interesting points, Tony, about whistleblowing. Do people only use such a service when they are on their way out. Why can organizations be designed to ensure people to feel safe, as Pepe says, every day? Absolutely, they they do need to feel safe. Um, mm -hmm. And like I said, this this whistleblowing is just a tick box. And like mm -hmm. I said in your previous question, you know, it is about commitment to the people. Yeah. So if there's a commitment to follow through and you're serious rather than just putting out blanket statements because it, it feels good, it's it's not going to it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Yes, so, definitely. So, um, definitely. Yeah. And it's it's the leader's responsibility to make the staff feel comfortable enough and to trust them enough to deal with it in the right way. Yes. Again, it comes back to culture, doesn't it? What's the culture of the organization? What's the behavior of the organization? Because even when leaders leave, that behavior is still there that needs unpicking because it becomes a learn or taught behavior. And also know that even though we are with a generation that might be, you know, um, how do you say it might be okay or might be okay-ish with what's happening, there is another generation coming and they won't apply to your business because now they can see all the exposures on online. Now they can ask you about what did you do with your employees during this lockdown? It's an important question that a lot of people are going to ask when they are go coming in for an interview. And if it shows out that you, um, you aren't walking the talk, people see through that, especially the next generation. They are peppery. They have so much fire in them and they are just like, I'm not going to work here. And within one year they leave. And from the moment that that attrition drops out or that attrition, your attrition costs will be so much higher because then it will take you one year or maybe two years to replace that person. So think about investing in DEI and not, you know, not, not, uh, not covering up or putting your head in the sand like an ostrich because that time is over. That time is over. So I wanted to go to Sean. He's sharing legislation has a key role, particularly in diversity. And the last one is Jorge, or uh, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing your name right. Uh, fantastic thought leadership, Justin. We so often have clients where education isn't equally distributed. Technology allows for consistency, scalability, and real organizations change. Yay! <laughs> Okay, well, going to the last question. Pippi, what is your wish for 2025? I know we are almost done with 2020 and I'm really done with 2020. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your wish for 2025? Well, you know, um, 
I'm very optimistic. I mean, my, my goal for 20, my goal for 2025 would be that, you know, given all the work that's currently being done to help level the playing field with DEI, you know, um, for for all groups, you know, um, um, you know, from disability to uh, Black Lives Matter, um, I think we're we're in the process of um, doing all the groundwork. But a lot of companies are. We're seeing a lot of good. Um, initiatives, a, a lot of good investment from big companies who yeah. who are investing in equality, who um, or at least they're, they're saying that they want to. Um, so that there's a lot of big companies make, making a lot of big noise about the amount of money they're investing in DEI, in you know, in um, ensuring that they're they're investing in equality. That you know. Um, that um, you know, disabilities matter. Black lives matter. Um, that you know, that they want to create a fair uh, workplace, um, and that they want to level the playing field. So I would hope by twenty twenty five that um, you know that we people can actually say I'm working in a workplace where I believe that I'm treated fairly, and you know I have access to opportunities um you know like anybody else in the organization you know without bias without but um it's it's probably not going to happen by 2025 but i hope we are all along the path to Mm -hmm. to really level the playing field because you know i think that's what everybody should be working towards right now thank you and justin Yeah, that's a great, it's a great question. You know, um, I think just like any, any other policy kind of going back to some of the things that were said earlier, as I, kind of as I answer this question, you know, just like a whistleblower policy, just like a sexual harassment policy, a diversity, equity, inclusion policy must be something that we hold true to. Mm-hmm. So if I know as an employee that if I see something that is, inappropriate and I say something that even though the policy says I will not, will not be, you know, any kind of retribution for that, that, that in fact there will be, cause I've seen that over and over again. Well, I'm not going to do anything about it, right? I'm just going to let it go because I have a family to provide for. And that responsibility sometimes will just trump the fact that, okay, I see something that I don't, I don't agree with. So if we have that same way, we look at our diversity, equity, inclusion policy, then we can't expect people to, take a step forward and say, wait a minute, that doesn't, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't look right. Maybe you can explain this to me. Let's have a conversation and, and move, move toward a better place. And so I think it's, it's just like any other policy. And, and because of that and, and hand in hand with that, we cannot, uh, somebody mentioned that maybe Gary a while ago, great question about government policy. You know, we, we cannot wait on government policy, nor is it the answer to solve issues like this. Governments have been trying to quote unquote, solve uh, race issues, uh, sexual orientation issues, whatever the case may be when you're looking at disabilities or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Okay, so that has not solved the problem. And so I think it is up to, to people like us to continue this work. Uh, and I saw today uh, a post on social media by Nacho about, you know, it's not diversity, equity, inclusion is not like an end goal. It's, it's this process, this journey that we're on. And so we're trying to advance every day. So to answer your question, 2025, 
where would I like to, to see? One of the initiatives that, that we're really pushing right now at Go Culture is because we are a software program and a high impact software program, we are wanting to eventually see our program implemented, at least in the States, for every single high school student. And so if, which, which is possible, which is very possible, every single, because if we can influence at a young influential age, yeah. you know, different mindsets, attitudes and behaviors around diversity, equity, inclusion, then as they go into the workforce, as they become parents, as they become spouses and community members, then we can begin to see this, this um, more regimented change over, over generations. So that, that's something that we want to see by 2025. I love that vision, especially when you are, you know, amplifying uh, diversity, equity, inclusion from the next gen for the next generation. So you have my blessing. That's that's. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Tony. Well, I don't have a wish for twenty twenty five. I have an expectation. Wow. Okay. That. Equality, diversity, inclusion, equity. We shouldn't have to be doing all of this all the time. Why are we doing this? This should become an embedded, learnt, taught, habitual, it almost innate. I'm going to throw innate in there. It's a bit controversial, but, you know, it should be all of those behaviours within an organization. We shouldn't have to keep putting it on the agenda, recruiting all these people to highlight it. So I don't have a wish, I have an expectation. And, you know, I, because right now with everything that's going on, the, it's, it almost feels to me that the door has just been wedged open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that there's all of this on the other side of this door. And we're just trying to get it through this door before this window or the door closes, the window of opportunity closes. Why should it be like that? Mm -hmm. The other thing is that, that it's leaders that, depending on what their behaviours are, learn, habitual, taught. That's what they're bringing into organisations. And I, you know, I've looked back at organisations that I've run before. And I thought, gosh, that's got me all over it. You know, I can see my personality all over it, you know, and that's what it is. So it's about the leaders. Sometimes it's not even about the, you know, it's what the leaders are bringing. And if we can focus on the leaders and um, it's, it's going to be hard. So I don't really have a wish. I have an expectation because this is just hard work. It shouldn't be hard work. It should be just a natural a natural thing and um we shouldn't have to wedge the door open it should be we should be able to open and close this door whenever we feel like so um it's not a flavor I, of the month i have to say thank you to all the speakers i just want to highlight a few of the the comments that are shared so gary saying language is important on dei in example what if i uh, what if we as you said vivian invested in dei versus see it as a cost Mm -hmm. More than semantics, more than semantics, That's definitely. And we have the reports already that DEI is the way to go. So what are we waiting for, right? What are we waiting for? The next one is Andrew. Andrew Brussi is sharing, absolutely, people are our most valuable resource. 
asset, I would say our asset, um, it is up to us to make sure that the meaningful change happens. The initiatives increase productivity, increase innovation, reduce attrition, and most importantly, help humans connect. Yes, you're speaking my lingo, both inside and outside of the workplace. Yes, and Gary is sharing a highlight. Inclusion is innate 100%. Absolutely. Can I just throw in as well, Vivian, that, that you know, I, I very much live by this 80-20 rule and really leaders need to get behind the fact that 80% of your work is your workforce. You know, gone are the days where you can stay huddled in an office, locked away and not engage. Mm -hmm. Engaging is your work. Yeah. So so that's kind of where it's where it's at. You know, not everybody's the same invest in your staff and they will bring they will bring it home for you <laughs> definitely i totally agree i want to say thank you but don't leave yet because i'm just going to highlight one more thing one time amplify dei it's happening next week and yes i'm on the edge i've been crying i've been laughing i've been jumping i've been dancing this summit is uh, a work of labor and a work of love or labor of love. And I forever, I, I have to highlight my speakers as well. So I am forever grateful for all the amazing people that are joining in the summits to spread, spread their fairy dust as Tony says, as Tony is saying, spreading a little bit DEI fairy dust about how, what to do when it comes to diversity, equity and inclusion. And I'm also going to say thank you to all the guest speakers of today you have been amazing and thank you for bringing your your hot sauce to the table because this conversation was amazing so thank you and the next live will be in two weeks because next week i have to focus on amplify dei so thank you all i am ending this broadcast and please guest speakers please stay on don't leave yet um enjoy your day or enjoy your evening and till next time thank Bye, you everybody thank you i just want to say thank you vivian for, for <laughs> putting this platform on it's really great and highlighting thank so you. thank you thank you thank you